Are you wondering what a godly marriage looks like? How you're supposed to submit to one another? How you're supposed to treat one another? And also how it relates to living kind of in this world and not of this world with sexual morality and greed and, and all these other sins that are out there in this world pulling you away from God and pulling you away from your marriage? Well, you're in luck. We're doing Ephesians 5 today. So we're in the fifth part of our Ephesians series. We'll wrap it up on the next episode. But today, we're talking about Ephesians 5. We're talking about worldly sin. We're also talking about marriages. Ooh, let's hit it. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Bible Reading Coffee Drinking podcast or you're watching on YouTube, or you're watching it live on Instagram. However you're finding me, however you're watching this or listening to this, I want to thank you for joining me today. We are in uh, Ephesians 5 today, so we're in the fifth chapter of Ephesians. There's only six. We're going to wrap this up on Monday. Uh, but we've read uh, up to this point uh, all uh, of the other four chapters of Ephesians. If you've missed any of these episodes or any of these chapters, I encourage you to go back and watch it on YouTube, listen to it on the podcast, or find it on Instagram. Uh, on my Instagram page, there's a little video area there. You can watch all the episodes there that you would like as well. So I got them everywhere. I even posted uh, one of the episodes, uh, Ephesians 4, directly on Twitter this week, which is the first time I've done that. So if, you, if you're a Twitter person, uh, you can just watch the entire episode right there on my page, uh, which is an interesting uh, kind of new development that they have over there. But anyways, all right, let's hit Ephesians 5 today. Uh, this one is a great chapter. It's kind of short, uh, but it dives into uh, kind of sinful nature and not being part of the sinful world that we live in, and then pivots over to uh, marriages and uh, uh, spirit-guided relationships. Uh, so it's interesting how those two are paired together, and we're going to get into that a little bit. <clears throat> I have some theories. I have some theories. So, All right, let's start with uh, Ephesians 5, uh, verse 1, living in the light. I'll have a sip of coffee, and we'll get going. All right, uh, verse 1, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered us, offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. This is important, the reason why Paul started off with talking about love and talking about the fact that uh, we need to be an example and live a life filled with love the same way Jesus did. All right, we're going to get to that, why that's important in a little bit. All right, verse uh, 3. This is where people get all uh, flustered and confused. Let there be so no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place amongst God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is a idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So, whew, Paul just throws a bunch of things in there, talking about how we don't need to be doing these things as children of God, as Christ followers, as those who have um, submitted to, to Christ as He is our Lord and Savior— Right? We need to avoid things such as sexual morality, impurity, greed, obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, greed. I think we talked about greed already. Impure, greedy people will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he, he lopped a bunch of sinful natures in there 
and all of them have to do with being too much a part of this world, if that makes sense. Now, sexual immorality, people want to equate that only to kind of homosexuality or homosexual behavior. It is a string of things. Is that included in there? I would say yes. But Jesus himself said that uh, if you lust after somebody, if you look at somebody in a lustful manner, you're committing adultery. So that would be sexual immorality. And then also he kind of goes into the husbands and wives relationships at the end of this chapter, which we'll talk about. So therefore, sexual behavior outside of that covenant is sexual immorality. So there's a lot of things that fall into that bucket. There's also a lot of things that fall into the bucket of being fool, foolish talk, right? Coarse, obscene stories, coarse jokes, using language that is not pleasing to God. So he kind of lops those things together. And finally, greed. Being a greedy person means that you're trying to obtain or, or desire the things of this world so much that you that's all you really care about. So wrap it all up on that part is what he's telling us not to do is be part of this sinful world. Be in the world, but not of the world, if that makes sense. So be cautious about all these things that are pulling you away from Christ, whether it's greed, whether it's foolish talk, whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's impurities. Those things are going to pull you away from from Christ. Verse 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on them on all who disobey him. So, all those sins that he just listed, greed, sexual morality, impurity, foolish talk, coarse jokes, all those things. If you're excusing that behavior, don't excuse that behavior. Don't and don't be fooled by the people who also excuse that behavior or who glorify that behavior. That's not of God. Verse 7, don't participate in all these things that people do. Once again, don't be, uh, be in the world, don't be of the world. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So you have the Holy Spirit in you now. Jesus Christ is the light. God is the light. So let that light shine through you. This world is a dark place. Right? And so Jesus and the light coming from Jesus is the way to light the world. So be different. Show people how it is to be a Christ follower. Don't be, don't fall into these worldly behaviors, okay? All right. Verse 10 Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. So don't be afraid to call a sin a sin. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Whew. But their evil intentions will be exposed and the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So don't be afraid to be the light of this world. Don't be afraid to shine your light on evil and sinful nature don't excuse it. Don't celebrate it. Shine your light on it and let people, let it be exposed. Okay? Living in the Spirit's power, verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. So he basically just said, everybody that is, uh, you know, kind of in that sinful nature, obscene jokes, coarse jokes, sexual immorality, etc., they're just fools. So don't live like fools. Live like the wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I like this verse as well. Don't be drunk with wine, 
because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, don't be drunk with wine. Another reality of people, the things that people don't want to talk about. They, nobody wants to talk about sexual morality. Nobody wants to talk about greed. Nobody wants to talk about coarse language or jokes. These are things that Paul is calling us out on. And the last one is being drunk. He doesn't necessarily say don't drink wine. I mean, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. What he's saying is don't get drunk on the wine. Don't let that run your life, if that makes sense. Because it will ruin your life. So just like anything that is uh, bad for you inherently, and, and if you dive yourself into it too much, it's going to ruin your life. So be careful when, you know, if you're drinking wine or other alcohol or anything else you're doing, be careful with those things, okay? That is still of this world, but don't let it become some sort of idol to you, if that makes sense. All right, let's get into marriages. Woo. Verse 23. All right. Spirit-guided relationships, wives and husbands. So we went through what is of this world, the sexual immorality of this world, acting like a fool, impurities, coarse talk, being drunk with wine, being greedy. These are things that are of this world, right? These are sinful natures that the world will push on us. Now he's paired this with the relationship that we have with each other as marriage, as, as a husband and wife set as well as uh, our relationship with Christ. That's why it talks about the love at the beginning, okay? Verse 21, And further, submit to one, an, uh, to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is important that we don't omit verse 21. Because I'm going to talk to you wives in a minute, and I'm going to talk to you husbands in a minute about what your relationship, uh, part of your relationship is, Okay. So the first thing he leads off is not about wives or husbands, about both of us. I've been married for 22 years, and there is no further truth than what's in verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I remember going through kind of the premarital, premarital counseling type of deal that you go through uh, with our pastor at the time. And I remember him drawing on this piece of paper. It's pretty novel. Everybody's probably seen it before. But... He talked about uh, there being three entities of marriage, right? You have the husband, the wife, and you have Jesus. And you got to make sure Jesus is in the middle of your marriage. And I've thought about that over the last two decades of being married. And it is so true. Because when we submit our lives to Christ, and we follow Christ, and we trust Christ with our lives, we're submitting to Him. That's the lesson we're going to learn here, is that we have to submit to each other as well. Okay? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because we love Jesus so much and we trust him, we submit to each other. I submit to my wife. She submits to me in different ways. Right? I am in charge of all the finances of our family. I have to remind her or show her what the password is at times. But she trusts me that I'm paying the bills and taking care of those things and taking care of our family. Just like I, t I trust her that I know she's taking care of things that is part of her duties in our marriage. So now let's talk to wives here. Verse 22, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So to say you say we have to submit to each other, wives, now Paul's talking to you guys. Make sure you submit to your husband. For your husband is the head 
uh, of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As a church submits to Christ, so must wives submit to your husbands and everything. So he's establishing that the fact that the husband is a spiritual leader in the family. And the head of the family, so to speak. So wives must trust their husbands as the spiritual leader and as the leader of their family. Okay, you have to trust us. My wife, trust me. You know, many times I know it's my duty as a husband to make sure we go to church, to, uh, to pray with each other. I love praying with my wife. And, I, and, and sometimes we forget. But a lot of times I'm laying in bed going, you know what? I'm the spiritual leader of this family. I've got to make sure that we pray together. And I've got to make sure that we pray for our family. Okay, so she has to trust me in that. And if I don't do those things, I'm failing as the spiritual head of the household. So trust, submit. Wives need to submit to their husbands in the sense of they have to trust us and love us and follow us just as we trust and follow Jesus. Now, husbands, verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life to her, the church, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorified, glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. Okay, so... He says, hey, wives, hey, first of all, husband and wives, you got to submit to each other. You got to trust each other. You got to follow each other. That's what submission means. That's the same way we submit to Christ is the way we need to submit to each other. Wives, submit to your husband because he's going to be the spiritual head of the household. Trust him with those things. Husbands, just as Christ loves his church, just as Christ loves his people, us, right, we need to love our wives. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean just we have to love our wives. I love my wife. Jesus loves us. But what did Jesus do for us? Jesus left heaven. He left comfort. He left paradise. He left his father. He left being a part of the Trinity and came down to earth, lived a life as a lonely human, was crucified, beaten, tortured, rose again after he was di- died. That's how much he loves us. He sacrificed his earthly body so that we could be saved forever. We could have that salvation. Like, his love, what Jesus' love for us is the, 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 the top of the pinnacle of the example of love. He, he sacrificed his life his earthly life, and he sacrifices time in heaven to be with us. That's how much he loves us. So husbands, I'm talking to you right now. Are you willing to give up everything for your wife as Christ did his church, as this example of Paul's talking about in Ephesians 5? You've got to love your wife so much you're willing to give up everything and be hurt and be in pain and be tortured physically or emotionally. For the, for the rest of your life. Because love is painful at times. I love my wife so much, I worry about her. I think about her. 
It gives me stress and anxiety because I want to make sure that she's okay all the time. You have to love your wife so much that it's, it's, it, it just, you just care for her so much that you want to take care of her. You want to love her. You don't want to share her with anybody. You want to protect her. You want to provide for her. That's what that love is that Jesus did for us that we as husbands are supposed to be doing for our wives. So our part of the submission that you talked about at the beginning of this is the fact that, yeah, we need to trust our wives. We have to love our wives so much that we would sacrifice our own selves for her joy and happiness, protection and safety. That's what we have to do. It's tough. So that is marriage between a husband and a wife. That's marriage. That's Christ-like marriage. Let's wrap it up. Verse 31, As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but also an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I say again, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Think about this. It talks about, many verses talking about marriage, but it talks about the fact that a man leaves his family to, to form a new family with his wife, and how that's a mirror of Christ. Christ left his family, so to speak. He left heaven. He left everything he ever knew, right? Being at the right hand with God the Father, being up there with the angels, being in paradise, and he came down here and left that to be with us and to have our, a relationship with us. That's what that our marriages are supposed to be like. Okay, so if you're not married yet out there watching this right now, marriage is a holy covenant between a man and a woman in the eyes of God. This is a gift that God gave us, and he's telling us right here in Ephesians 5 what it's supposed to be like. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to respect each other. We're supposed to submit to one another, and we're supposed to be in this together and use Christ as the example and have Jesus in the middle of our marriage. That is what is going to make it a successful unity. So if you're married, work on that. If you're not married, look forward to that because it's a blessing. It really is. If you can find a, a, um, a marriage, a spouse, and you have Jesus in the middle of your marriage, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it will last if you have it set up right. All right. Thanks for following, listening to me on my uh, kind of <laughs> rant on marriage, but uh, I'm passionate about it because I've been married a long time, and I want people to have great marriages and, and, and uh, godly marriages. Uh, it's important to me. All right, uh, uh, along the bottom, make sure you ask a question. I'll take a few of these as we wrap up our uh, episode here in, in a few minutes. Uh, I'll have a sip of coffee. Uh, what if I don't want to get married? You don't have to get married. Uh, that is, uh, nobody has to get married. Uh, he just uh, gives us the the guidelines on if you are married, uh, how you're supposed to act. All right, uh, let's see what questions we have. Thanks for uh, putting all these questions in here. I'll thumb through a few and answer uh, two or three here. Um, so keep away from the things that keep us from God. That's, I guess, uh, Ellie was asking that probably somewhere along the way. Uh, absolutely. In the beginning of uh, Ephesians 5, it talks about all the sexual morality and purities and greeds and all the sinful stuff he listed at the beginning. Those will pull you away from 
God. They will pull you away from your relationship with Christ. So absolutely, you've got to push that stuff out of your life. Um, that is for sure. Uh, should I leave my boyfriend that cheated on me, or should I take this opportunity to forgive and grow our relationship in Christ? Aubrey, uh, you know what? I, I'm not going to—I can't give you exact answer on whether you should leave your boyfriend or not. Uh, should you forgive your boyfriend? Uh, let's break that question into three parts. One is, should you leave him? Second is, should you forgive him? And third is, should you continue with the relationship in Christ? All right, so that's I'm breaking down your question into three different answers. I don't know whether you should leave him or not. Trust, part of submission is trusting, as we just talked about. So if you plan on marrying this guy at some point, you've got to trust him. And because part of submission, as we talked about, when you're submitting to your husband, you're submitting to your wife, you've got to trust them. Just as we submit to Christ, we have faith in Christ to lead us where we need to be, to love us. And so we trust Jesus, if that makes sense. So you've got to trust him. So you've got to ask yourself whether you can trust him after his indiscretions. Okay? So the other two parts of your question is, you know, should you continue with this? And for, you should forgive him. We should all forgive people who, you know, do things against us. That's in the Bible. God forgives us. So yes, you have to find it somewhere in your heart to forgive him. Doesn't mean you forget. Doesn't mean you move forward with him. It means that you have to, in your heart, forgive people that have done you wrong. It will do more for you than it will for them. I promise you that. Now, should you move forward in Christ? Of course. If you find that, you know, that relationship is 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 godly, then okay, but if it's not, don't. Um, you know, I, I would say that's something that you've got to figure out for yourself, whether you can trust that individual or not. Because for me, that would be a huge challenge. But you should forgive him and you pray about it, okay? Pray about it. See where God leads you. He will bring you to the right place. But you've got to make sure, as I talked about in the marriage section of this, you've got to make sure that Jesus is in the middle of that relationship. Because if he's not, and you're having struggles, and you're trying to bring him along, or trying to make him go to church, or whatever, and it's always you leading him, then that's not going to work. As we talked about in Ephesians 5, the husband is supposed to be the spiritual house, or spiritual head of the household. So he's got to lead you and bring you to Christ. If it's the other way around, you're going to have problems. All right, let's answer another question. That's a great question. Um, I'm married, but my husband does not have a relationship with Christ. What do I do? Kind of going back to the conversation I just had uh, with uh, the previous person, uh, you know, the husband is supposed to be the spiritual head of the household. So I would say with anything, whether it's your faith, relationship with Christ, uh, whether you want children, what do you, where do you want to live, you know, all the things, all those decisions you have to make in your marriage, y'all have got to be in it together. So have an open conversation with him and find out why he doesn't have a relationship with Christ. Find out, uh, you know, talk to him. You, as, a, as a married couple, you should be able to talk about anything. Uh, as somebody who's been married for 22 years, we talk about everything. Nothing's off limits. We're kind of in this together, and we're completely vulnerable and open with each other. So you've got to have that conversation with him. Uh, maybe, maybe God puts you in that relationship so you can have that conversation with him. Maybe you're supposed to be the little bit of the nudge that helps him get his relationship with Christ, right? But pray about it. Talk to your husband, okay? You've got to talk to him. All right, uh, we'll do one more question, and we'll get out of here. All right, uh, where can I buy a Bible at a reduced cost? I am Kim, I'm not sure. 
Uh, there's lots on Amazon, so you can probably find one there at a reduced cost. Um, what's your favorite verse of the Bible? I've talked about this before. Um, it's, there you go, Matthew 22, 37, 39. Uh, this is the great, uh, greatest commandment question. Somebody asked Jesus Christ, uh, what's the greatest commandment? His response was, love God with all your heart and soul and your mind. And the second one, which is equally as important, is to uh, love each other, love one another as you love yourself. That's what we're supposed to do. That's why I have it on my arm. Remind me all day long. I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. I need to love other people. <laughs> so that is my favorite verse. All right, one more question, then we'll uh, we'll get out of here. Um, uh, should the man already come as a man of Christ and showing that he can lead? Uh, not necessarily, uh, to be honest with you. I, I would say this, and this is going to sound strange coming from somebody who runs a uh, you know a ministry now, but uh, I, I would, if I were being, being honest here, I would say that when I got married. I would say my wife had a better relationship with Christ than I did. Uh, I grew up in the church, um, you know, went to church several times a week, and my parents were uh, Sunday school teachers who were very, very involved and, uh, and uh, kind of came to know Jesus at a young age, uh, kind of straight a little bit. Uh, and my wife helped me kind of get back and formulate my relationship with Christ. Uh, so now I do feel that I have a duty of being the kind of the spiritual head of the household. But my wife helped me get there, to be honest with you. Uh, she did. Uh, she's, she's rock solid with her relationship uh, with Christ. I'm a, I'm a, I can overthink at times, uh, especially when I was younger, trying to figure things out and overthink things uh, and, and analyze things too much. And uh, my wife's faith is just innocent and pure and just rock solid. So, so she helped me uh, get to that point where I could be that spiritual head of the household. So, if your husband, wives out there, if you're watching this, if your husband's struggling right now, go talk to him. Help them. They'll be open to it. I promise you. My wife helped me. Okay. There. That's a good. That's a good word today. That's a good way to start or to end it up today. So, I love you guys. Thanks for joining me. Let's have a quick prayer, real quick, and uh, then we'll go about our weekend. Have a sip of coffee first. Dear Heaven, Heavenly Father, I'm coming to you today, first of all, thanking you, as I like to do in every prayer, thanking you so much for bringing us together, thanking you so much for bringing us Ephesians 5, thanking you so much for giving Paul the words that we need to hear today. Lord, I'm praying for everybody watching this right now, whether they're in a, a, a long-term relationship or a short-term relationship or a marriage, wherever they're at when, in their relationship status, Lord, I'm praying that you interject yourself right in the middle of their relationship, Lord. I pray that they're open to having Jesus in the middle of their relationship without having the third leg of the marriage of their relationship. We just can't make it work the way it should work. That is for sure. And we need you to help us with our relationships. We need you to help us with our marriages. So I'm praying for everybody out there watching or listening to this right now that may be struggling with their marriage a little bit. Maybe their husbands aren't the head of the household, the spiritual head of the household as they need to be. Maybe their husbands are not believers. Maybe husbands, maybe the wives out there aren't believers. Maybe the wives aren't playing the proper role in the marriage. Maybe the husbands aren't playing their proper role 
in the marriage. I'm praying for anybody out there that is struggling with their relationship, with their marriage, and trying to understand how to have a Christ-like relationship with their spouse. I'm praying for them today, Lord. Please give them the guidance, give them the path, give them the strength to work through their issues. We love you so much, and we trust you. We submit to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Uh, I love you guys. Work on your marriages. Work on your relationships. Go to the Bible. Go in prayer. Uh, he will help you get through any challenges that you may be facing. I promise you that. Till next time, keep Jesus on your heart and forever on your mind. Love you guys.